0: Our scripture reading today comes from Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome, chapter 12, beginning with verse 9. Hear now the word of the Lord. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. live peaceably with all may god bless our understanding of this sacred text pray with me may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight O god our rock and our redeemer amen so i begin with a confession There are three preachers on the staff of this church and three parts to our holistic stewardship theme. And when I received my assignment, I was sorely tempted to try to swap with Rich so I could preach on Grow or trade with Meredith so I could handle Share. But no, I got stuck with Serve And I suppose this is the work of the Holy Spirit because it does make a certain sense that I would be charged to contemplate an aspect of the Christian life that did not come naturally to me. Okay, so maybe you just rolled your eyes. I discerned a call to ministry when I was a teenager and have basically dedicated my life to serving God and the church. But the fact of the matter is that I have struggled to cultivate a true commitment to service. I've often found myself avoiding tasks that are boring or arduous, even if they are also necessary and important. I have to remind myself to wash the dishes. And especially in my early years of ministry, I liked the idea of serving more than I actually liked rolling up my sleeves and pitching in. As many of you know, before I became one of your pastors, I served as a solo pastor of a small church in Southern California. One of the reasons I was drawn to South Bay Christian Church was because they were so committed to service in the community. Every single Sunday before worship, They cooked breakfast for the homeless population that gathered in our coastal community. It started out with just pancakes and coffee, but their hearts were too tender to leave it at that. Soon they were serving a full meal, complete with sausage and juice and donated pastries. Some of them were probably a little too stale to really be consumed, but. It was a feast. In theory, I loved ministry with the least of these. In reality, I was intimidated and set on edge by the crowd. In my defense, I had been given a couple good reasons to feel this way. A few regulars had harassed me, and one briefly stopped me. Police report was recorded. So I took to making an appearance at the breakfast, and then slipping away to hide in my office to tinker with my sermon until it was time to robe up for the prelude. Thankfully, my congregation did not share my unease. They embodied Paul's words to the Romans. They outdid one another in showing honor. They did not lack in zeal. Their spirits did not waver as they served God and neighbor, extending hospitality to strangers so earnestly that many of those strangers became their friends. Well, not long into my tenure as pastor, one of those friends became pregnant. Let's call her Tess. The father was often around too, and he was known as one of the few troublemakers among the regular breakfast-goers, starting fights and showing up under the influence. The couple drifted between shelters, motels, friends' couches, and often the hard concrete of the church courtyard, even throughout Tess's pregnancy. One day, I received an early morning call. Tess needed a ride from the hospital back to the dilapidated motel where she and her family were staying. I encouraged her to tell me what she needed and that we would figure out how to cover it all. The baby slept in a hospital issue car seat nestled in our shopping cart while we circled the aisles together. I tried as hard as I could to set aside the waves of judgment that just would not stop swelling from the part of me that is very small. What was Tess going to do on the streets with her lousy boyfriend and this precious infant to take care of? Paul tells the Roman Christians not to be haughty, but to associate with the lowly. I was plenty haughty. And I felt so drained by my long mourning with this lowly woman. One of the people we encountered on our post-maternity ward shopping trip was a grocery store employee working the deli counter. She knew Tess as a regular customer, and she enthusiastically greeted the new baby. In fact, she ran around the counter to get a closer look, giggling over her impossibly tiny fingernails and exclaiming that she was a perfect gift from God. And then she gave us a great deal on fried chicken, scanning a cheaper price and throwing a few extra pieces into the bag after it had been weighed. There was not a hint of scorn in her tone of voice. She certainly outdid me in showing honor to Tess and her daughter. That woman embodied grow, serve, share. Her celebration of the new baby was like a praise song to God, heartfelt and holy. Her service was not clouded by judgy thoughts. So maybe the chicken she comped was technically not hers to share, but You get the idea. I was humbled. All of that happened more than 15 years ago. And with time, I have come to understand that while I do indeed have many shortcomings, I was also defining servanthood so narrowly. I failed to acknowledge the ways that I was able to serve with ease and skill. I may have been a crummy maternity chauffeur, but I am generally pretty good at rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. I may have been a failed pancake server, but I enthusiastically encouraged my parishioners to remember that when they served pancakes to the least of these, they were in fact serving pancakes to Christ himself. I'm grateful that we are encouraged to consider not only how we'll share our financial resources in the year ahead, but also how we might grow in our faith and express that faith through acts of service. These three are not separate strands. They are marvelously tangled and completely inseparable making up a tapestry of stewardship of our time, talent, and treasure. But there are some things we need to be clear about when it comes to service. First, our service is never about earning God's pleasure. We have already been given grace upon grace. Our service is ever and always a response to God's grace. Second, we are not all called to the same work, and thank goodness for that. I know for a fact that there are a lot of you who would rather hand wash a load of LT football uniforms after next week's homecoming game than speak in public. The beautiful thing about being part of a community of faith is that we all pitch in with the gifts and graces we've been given and we can graciously decline the invitations that make our skin crawl. Which is to say, please say no when you are asked to serve in ways that make you feel distressed. Chances are, the next person asked will be grateful for the invitation. Third, and this is perhaps the most important of all, remember that the goal of serving God and neighbor is not to fill your calendar up with good works. Busyness is not a sign of faithfulness. Indeed, sometimes we are least faithful when we are most busy. To me, the goal is to cultivate a servant heart. To become people who are fundamentally unselfish who understand that our lives are not meant for accumulating wealth or amassing power, nor are our lives meant for what is the most significant temptation of all, funneling all our energy into small circles of family or friends, seeking the comfort and success of our people without considering the well-being of others. Christ calls us to more than insular and self-focused lives. Paul's counsel to the Romans presents a way of life that is anything but insular and self-focused. He presents a way of life that is is non-judgmental and compassionate, generous and welcoming, wise and peaceful. He presents a way of life that embodies the sacrificial love of Christ. This is what we're after, when we seek a holistic vision and practice of stewardship. This is what it means to grow, serve, and share. But you know what? Just as it was 15 years ago when I was struggling to get outside of myself, it's the people I've been called to serve alongside who teach me what this looks like. We would be here all day if I started rattling off a list of church members who inspire me with their servant hearts. So I am just going to lift up one. Jane Nepple. Jane Neppel was a longtime member of this congregation who died in 2018. She was one of those folks who never fully rolled off the Properties Committee, staying on to help with special projects long past her term expired. I think about her all the time because her legacy is so profound. She designed and managed the beautiful renovation of the Memorial Garden on the east side of our property. Jane transformed it into a beautiful space to mourn, pray, and remember, cloistered by trees and serenaded by a water fountain. For years, she handled the church's technology needs, making sure the staff had working computers and the sanctuary had working sound. This included one of her passion projects, the T-coil loop that drastically improves sanctuary sound for those who use hearing aids. The first time I met Jane was in this room to tune my microphone so that it would amplify the unique register of my voice just right. After all, what good is it to have someone called to preach the gospel if you don't also have someone called to make sure it can be heard thanks be to god amen